Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of Drive Through HR. We are glad to be back here again. And uh, I am Robin Schooling, along with my co-host, Michael Vandervoort. Hey, Michael. Hey, Robin. Good to, good to talk to you again. I feel like we're talking to each other every day. Uh, we are. I know. In fact, we're, we're, we've got so many shows, and I'm so busy elsewhere that I missed a show the other day because... <laughs> I, I was like, I, don't we have a show? I don't see it on my calendar. I don't know. Anyway, so I missed one of our shows. We, it, you, it was, you, you were joking in the pre-show. We haven't, we didn't do shows for a couple of months, and now we're doing them like twice a day and several in a week. So I don't know how long this cre- creative burst is going to last, but it's been great so far. So I guess we got another show and another guest today. That's right, and I, you know, and I'm, and and now that we're in the in the role of it again, I am loving it. Because every time we have somebody on the show, we learn new and interesting things and our audience gets to hear some new and interesting things. And I anticipate doing that today with our special guest for today's episode, Ben Monas of Afema. Welcome, Ben. Thanks a lot for having me. And that's a a high bar to set. I hope I can educate. (laughs) I hope I can provide some new info today. So yeah, thanks a lot uh, for having me guys. And yeah, Rob and Michael, great to be here. Excited for today's conversation. Welcome, Ben. You know, we we don't bring guests on, you know, for no fee at all, just Mm. so that they can't, that they show up and don't do any work, right? We expect you to do a little work to earn your, (laughs) earn your keep here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Robin. Sorry. I'm buttoning in here. Oh, well, uh, you know, before we dive into some questions, uh, Ben, for our listeners um why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself your 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 path to where you are today sure sure yeah so i'm ben monis i'm the uh, ceo and founder uh at fama we're an online screening company helping businesses identify workplace misconduct so from a corporate standpoint real quick elevator pitch uh on the business you know we're of the mindset that the shape of workplace misconduct has changed in 2023, where if you think about, you know, when you're hiring somebody, background checks, verifications, all that stuff still very important. But where misconduct presents itself this year as we've moved so much of our lives onto the Internet, so much of the rails of commerce, how we get to know each other happens through the cloud, even, you know, calls like this where we're all connecting on Zoom here. So much of our lives happen online. And so mm-hmm. kind of the approaches for businesses when it comes to people risk management. So that's really where we play in that space, that industry, uh, helping companies identify uh, that sort of work, workplace misconduct and pre-employment screening context, working with VPs of talent acquisition from around the globe, helping them, yeah, beef up their approach to uh, improving quality of hire. So that's uh, 
company, my background, I've been doing enterprise software pretty much for my whole career, uh, bounce around a few different startups, uh, always, and it sounds like nerdy and lame, but I've always enjoyed you know, helping big companies solve tough problems using cool tech. And that's, that's uh, yeah, been uh, kind of a steel thread through my career. I started Fama, though, because I missed something critical on a new hire that was plainly obvious on social media that well, we didn't see it actually led to some harassment in the workplace. So something really bad that I knew we could have caught. I knew we could have stopped had we seen this information prior. And, you know, when you're getting a startup off the ground, understanding the problem that you're solving and mm-hmm. the material impact of not solving that problem, not just what that means for the business, but like the real burn, that visceral feeling of like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? When you know that pain, it becomes a lot uh, you know, easier to kind of push through the uncertainty of the early days. So yeah, that's on the business side. Uh, me personally, I got a family out here. I live in Los Angeles, California. I got two uh, twin boys who are 18 months old who keep my hands full, really <laughs> into cooking. My dad was the 1977 North Carolina pork cooking champion. You know, oh. too many Jews who are championship pork cookers, but that's <laughs> uh, so in any event, yeah, big into cooking. That's kind of my meditation when I get off work. Uh, so love cooking a big dinner for folks, big barbecue, um, or just figuring out what's in the fridge and putting something fun on the table for the fam. So besides that, sports, reading, hanging with the family and genuinely like loving what I do. So that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I love cooking big meals, but I live alone except for my beagle. So I don't do much cooking for her. <laughs> out of a bag. Um, and I despise cooking for one. It's like, I hate cooking for myself, right? Because it's, it takes all the fun. You, you don't share anything. You mm-hmm. know? So it's more work than it is that. that is. Anyway, it's complete inverted psychology, which has nothing to do with your, uh, your business or your or your product. I'll I'll come over though. You just tell me when you're cooking, and I'll. You no, know, not a bad cook, Ben. You know, yeah, but L A to Tulsa, even that that trip. I don't know. One of these days, you never know. One of these days. Hold hold that hold that thought. Um, no, let's let's seriously talk about um, Fama. Tell us a bit about uh, the technology and what's going on kind of behind the online screening, and maybe yeah. share share some high level info about what how what you do and. What, what makes your product unique, that kind of stuff? Yeah, and there's a, you know, this is a concept I would say that's generally familiar with a lot of HR and talent acquisition practitioners, right? Where a lot of folks, if you look at the data, and I remember there's this career builder survey that came out every year. They've kind of put a pause on it that is coming out from other places now. But back in 2015, it was something like, you know, 44% of companies surveyed across this massive career builder network. 44% of them back in 15 had use social media, the online record to make a decision about whether or not they want to hire somebody, right? Fast forward, you know, almost a decade later, that number is north of 80%. So the Mm -hmm. practice has kind of doubled. And I think a lot of listeners would agree that whether or not they want to admit it, if they're managing a team of TA pros, or they themselves are one, like people go look around, they snoop, they go on Google, they go on Facebook, they check (laughs) someone out on Twitter, right? Like it happens, you know, and general counsels who are listening in can, can plug their ears, but that's the reality, right? And I think uh, we came into the market, you know, recognizing it was really a lot of, you know, right place, right time for us in terms of when we came in. But, you know, ultimately, if you're doing it yourself, you see a lot of stuff you shouldn't see. You might invade a person's privacy, go down this kind of slippery slope, or sure, maybe you're looking for 
that racist tweet that might alienate some customers. Maybe you're hiring an executive and you want to make sure that there's no, you know, improper conduct in their background that could be gleaned through like Google results or litigation that might exist online. Um, but you end up through that process, wasting a ton of time, potentially introducing bias into your own recruiting process and simultaneously, like not doing a comprehensive and, and complete job. It's hard with the mm -hmm. internet changing, you got threads coming out, you got Twitter changing seemingly every other day about what you can view with tweets, if you can get an API, this or that, right? And so, you know, with Fama, we kind of came in and, and, and sort of created the category of that online-based automated check. We don't score, we don't give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's not a yes or a no or a recommendation on a subject. But instead, what we've done is built the tools and technology. It's a software as a service platform that allows a client to define, hey, these are the things that should they exist in a candidate's online web presence. We have products that range from executives to your kind of standard frontline, white collar, you know, corporate hire, however you want to frame it. We've got different products for different positions. But the general concept is that you define what workplace misconduct looks like. We do the heavy lifting, finding that person online and pulling out for you any you know matches that might fall into one of those misconduct criteria, whether it's like harassment in the workplace, fraud, illegal activity, that kind of a thing, escalate those results for user review and do it all in a FCRA uh, compliant, GDPR compliant for our European client fashion. So yeah, that's a little bit behind the scenes. We were, I like to say we were doing AI before it was cool, before it was on the list <laughs> of, uh, of every practitioner you know in our industry. But yeah, we really do a lot of that, um, what's called like natural language processing and image recognition, structuring unstructured information so that, you know, we can help people make decisions faster, more intelligently, but not doing it for them, you know, not telling you who's good or who's bad and simply saying, hey, you want to know this about a subject, we can help you find that needle in the haystack, do it quickly and not expose that legal risk I was talking about a few minutes ago. Your, uh, your one comment. Uh, leads me to a tangential question, which Robin and I will always have one at least on every show. Because Absolutely. We ourselves <laughs> being shiny object squirrel people that we are. Um, so what you mentioned threads, right, which is just the latest in a whole bunch of Twitter wannabes, uh, Blue Sky, and I don't know what it is, you know, yeah, Mastodon. Mastodon and yeah, Post and whatever. Tried them all, except I can't get an invite to Blue Sky. They don't like me. I don't know. I can send you one. Uh, yeah, send me one. I didn't even think to ask. Um, probably won't use it anyway. But send it to me. But 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 <laughs> the question is that 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 kind of and and of course Twitter's sort of erratic behavior under Elon. Um, like, how much does that mess with your algorithms or whatever you use? You know, is it is it super problematic to you, or are those not really big sources of concern in the first place since they're not as kind of large as a Facebook or a Twitter? Yeah, ultimately, what's what's interesting to us over the years is that there have been evolutions to your point, you know, we're, we're proud, for example, to be a Twitter enterprise API partner, right, having worked with those guys for a long period of time, and, you know, making sure that our use case, the way we use the data, how we engage from a consent basis with the folks that, you know, we run checks on, etc. So there's part of it of like playing the game the right way to maintain mm -hmm. continuity in your business, right? Of not doing the Cambridge Analytica surreptitious method of acquiring data type stuff. But what's interesting is the sort of evolution of these new sources. Like I'm sure you guys have seen, you talked about, you know, threads there at the top. Threads came out two weeks ago. We got a ton of inbound. Hey, oh my gosh, what are we going to do about threads? Are you going to add it to your list of sources? And, um, you know, part of it for us is just looking at where do people spend their time? DAUs, daily active users have dropped by 50%, you know, since on threads, since the launch, you know, so you're starting to see, I think a little bit of petering out, 
in terms of usage on those sources. But the the sort of taking a step back bigger picture is the sorts of behaviors I'm talking about, which are the kind of aberrant. We don't care about like if you like the color red or blue, if you voted for Trump or Biden, like that's not the the level of detail that we focus on. It's much more of this kind of bright line violation around things like intolerance, threats, harassment, and people don't tend to, if you're acting that way online, you've kind of normalized that behavior Mm -hmm. and you don't tend to limit that sort of behavior to one particular channel, right? So what's interesting is that because we cover such a wide swath today, it's really just adding new sources as they come on that reflect the core value prop. um, While, like I mentioned, uh, you know, doing things the right way along the way. Mm -hmm. Cool, thanks. Yeah. You know, one of the, um, you know, overriding um, benefits, I think, of uh, which you which you talk to a lot, and you've, you've mentioned it today already, yeah. uh, one of the overriding benefits of, of doing this sort of uh, evaluation screen as part of the hiring process is using it as a goal to increase, ultimately, um, the quality of hire. Yes. Of who's coming in. Um, so when you're talking to TA leaders, HR leaders, um, users, um, uh, you know, what are some of those candidate behaviors that, that you find people want to be paying attention to, should be paying attention to, um, you know, how would they define, how do they work with you to kind of define what that misconduct would look like, what that, those behaviors yeah, they don't want look like and and when they bring that into the screening, how is that eliminating bias? How is that ensuring there's non-discriminatory treatment? Yeah, I think there's a uh, when when you talk about these sort of high-minded concepts around technology and automation and the advanced nature of the actual way that the tech comes together and what are we screening for all this intelligence we have on people. I always encourage TA leaders to, you know, think about it in a more simple fashion, sort of simplify the variables, reduce everything down, right? When we're talking about workplace misconduct, it's not just as it's expressed online, it's workplace misconduct as we understand it as more HR employee relations, but of course, part of that broader, you know, talent acquisition, you know, experience as folks come into the organization where it's stuff that makes good people want to leave a company, right? It, you know, mm-hmm. there's real data now around it. You know, people who are in a toxic work environment are 54% more likely to leave. The number two reason for people changing jobs in 2022 was culture. Comp was number one, right? I want you know better comp. I want to find more ways to make more money. A thing that we all want forever. But the second reason, you know, is companies you know realizing that as people have moved into this kind of hybrid work from home, work in the office type mentality, a lot of workers have that choice to say, Hey, look, like I want to work with people that reflect the people I like to engage with, spend time with where I feel that sense of connection, where I feel that sense of belonging, especially if you're working from home and your personal and professional life is so melded together, you know, where you've got your kids in the other room or whatever it might be. So when it comes to what are the things we're flagging for? What are the things we're identifying it's the sorts of stuff that if you could ask that question, the interview process and get a straight answer, you would. So it's stuff mm-hmm. like violence in the workplace, harassment in the workplace, people threatening other people, fraud and crime intolerance. you know, the sorts of things that if they came up in an analog, non-digital context, somebody wouldn't be hired, plain and simple, right? And so 
for us, when we talk about what are the sorts of things that we're doing to improve quality of hire, it's not necessarily the qualification of the individual, right? Do they have the skill set, the experience, the background to come in and do the job, complete the tasks, run the activities, et cetera, at hand that are important for the company right now? But how are we, once we come into a company as an employer, a set of employees, contributing to that quality experience, not just for creating more revenue for our customers, but keeping the good people who are already in there engaged, happy, and connected, right? And so when we say quality of hire, we're really referring to these sort of uh, non-skill set related, and some people call it soft skills and some types of terminology, right? But just making sure there isn't that kind of, you know, again, bright line violation against some of this other stuff and categories that violence, harassment, you know, threats, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think everybody wants that, you know, I don't think anybody wants to work and maybe some listener be like, I want to work in a harassing environment and go, <laughs> you know, you can go do that. But most of us don't like, let's just keep it simple. Most of us don't want to work in environments like that. And so there's this kind of push and pull when you talked about the bias thing for a, a, a TA or HR leader to essentially say, okay, we want to know this to increase the quality of hire, but also the quality of the talent, the quality of engagement. We want our EMPS score to be up. We want people to think that the new people are coming in, who are coming in, are extending our values as an organization, expanding our mission rather than, you know, detracting from it or minimizing it. So, you know, there's this need for TA leaders to kind of come in and, hey, I can just check social media. I can just go on Google myself. Like I can do it on my own. But then what if you see that somebody's pregnant? Yeah. You see that somebody's disabled in a profile picture, right? Yeah. What if you happen to see a protected class that despite your best intentions, like people are not perfect. What if it introduces bias into that, right? And the EEO, in fact, says that that will if you go down that process and do it mm-hmm. yourself. So there's a lot of education that we do as part of our, what I'll just call kind of like, you know, go to market initiatives, client education, you know, that we provide that helps users understand that you can still get these sorts of insights without exposing yourself to that type of risk. And we use a concept called, you know, behavior kits, which probably extends beyond the scope of the call, but happy to chat in a follow-up, you know? So, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so just a follow-up question, Ben. So like a couple, there's a couple of cases I just read about. I don't even know what the, who they were involved. Uh, AI sort of make it up, shit up, sorry, making up stuff about somebody and now they're suing because what AI made up was completely wrong, right? It didn't happen. So, and that's not what you guys do specifically. Uh, make, I don't mean make stuff up. You don't use AI to, you know, do that. But, but if you find behavior, and I don't, I don't know what would be good behavior. What if someone's accused of harassment, since we were talking about that a second ago, and it shows up in their social media profile? How do you, I'm, like, I've never seen a, a product of yours, like a report or anything. How do you, how do you validate that? Because there can be accusations made constantly sure. about people's behavior, right? So how do you validate it and how do you report it in a way that kind of takes, you know, makes it, I don't know, palatable to the, not, not that you're trying to satisfy the, the customer, but how do you report that so that they know it's valid? Oh, no, I, I think there's a, a broad-based acceptance that includes the HR and non-HR user alike, including the candidate, right? And so, you know, part of it for us is that we're very explicit into what we include in a report. We're not going to include anything that somebody else says about someone else on social media. So it's much more the stuff that you're saying, that you're liking, that you're interacting with, that you're engaging with from an outside perspective. So that's what I would think about social media. Now, if it was a, a court case or a reputable news article, 
you know, that would be a different story, right? Because then we can actually add that to a report and say, hey, look, here's a source of truth. Here was validated primary first party evidence associated with it. We're going to include it on a report. We match on three identifiers too. So we have what's essentially it's kind of FCRA speak. But for those in the know on screening, it's basically just making sure that the results are accurate on the report that we're putting the right person on the right John Smith and a sea of John Smiths on the report that we're adding to it. But to your point, like we've heard some interesting queries from customers that have asked and said, hey, look, like I want to know if, you know, somebody is promoting misinformation or disinformation online knowingly or unknowingly, right? right. Could creep into our organization in an adverse way. So I think it'll be interesting as the future unfolds to watch what that definition of workplace misconduct really looks like in mm-hmm. the future and how that might change as technology obviously changes. Yeah, it, it, it brings to mind um, sort of that example. This was, oh my goodness, many years ago already now. Um, but when I, when I joined the, the Louisiana lottery and we were um, quasi-governmental. So we, we were beholden to various um you know, state statutes and this sort of thing. And one of the statutes was um, that that there were back, obviously background checks done by the state police, but then for certain positions, it was an in-depth background check. And so I was in a position where they had to do the in-depth one. And it was kind of, to some degree, doing, <laughs> doing what FAMA is doing, hmm. um, only um, it, it was actual like human beings running around doing this gathering. Wow. Um, because in addition to whatever was online circa 2006, when I started there, um, it was also going out and they did, you know, for what they could find at that point, Google searches and, um, you know, did this person ever appear in the paper or, you know, whatever they went and talked to neighbors. It was kind of like before social media, like they literally would call my neighbors yeah, you know, yeah. And, yeah and, and, and you know how's robin as a neighbor um and so it was interesting because when the report was done you know it obviously went to the powers that be went to my the president of the lottery but then i got i got it as well so it was you know fcra before fcra existed for employment reasons but i got a copy of what they ran on me and it was fascinating really it was it was it's stuff that now you could probably do in you know 30 minutes but at that point, it was, you know, somebody had literally gone out and cu- pulled out, here's newspaper articles where she's mentioned, here's this, here's that. And it was hard copies of it. It was fascinating. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah I mean, it's a, a same same tune on like, you know, this concept of, of us wanting to know more, it, it, it seems to be an endless human pursuit, right? To yes. know more about the the people that we're engaging with, right? And to have that sense of security and safety that such engagement is going to lead to the outcome that I'm expecting. So yeah, yeah it, it's something that's been done forever. You know, it, it's just really interesting to hear those sorts of stories. I I remember talking to some like old school background screening guys who used to do lie detectors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? I took a lie detector test early in my employment career. I took a lie detector test. Uh, 
and also had to be fingerprinted uh, at, at a different job because that was basically how they proved who you were. They've got, and you had to, you know, roll the <laughs> the black ink all over your hands and everything. Yeah. Well, apparently, apparently that's, I mean, now we're going really off track, but apparently that stuff like doesn't even work. Like that, that was the rub that they told me was they were like, Hey, it worked well, like less than 50% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just like, which is like, all right, well, let's just flip a coin and see if this guy's a liar or not. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's like, kind of like TSA stuff, right? I mean, we go through all this process, and a lot of it is just really street theater because you know they miss as much as they catch. It's not more, probably, in the reality of it. But anyway, um, we got we're we're great conversation, but we're wandering far afield away from some of the questions. So let's indeed. let's reel it back in here. And we were talking about social media. I didn't I didn't set up these questions. So I always love when I get an opportunity to have a question, ask a question that I have no idea what it looks like ahead of time. Mm. So Robin prepared these um, as is our protocol for the shows. And she said, let's talk about social screening of social media and some interesting results that you had with uh, one of your clients, I guess, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. So I can't, I can't wait to hear this. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's an interesting, you know, concept of workplace misconduct of do I hire or, or not hire someone, but there's also kind of the bigger question right through that, which is the why, which is like, how is this person going to help, again, extend what I'm trying to do with my customers, with my shareholders, right? And obviously with Miami Dolphins, that's win football games, get fans in the state. I mean, obviously they want to win a Super Bowl, right? But besides that, you know, there's how do we build great relationships with fans? How do we build great relationships with sponsors? How do we take care of our players too, mm-hmm. to make sure that when these players come in, you know, that they uh, recognize that their personal brands are a part of their professional success. And so that's really where the Dolphins came in. They were using like screening people manually. It wasn't really legally compliant. It would take a really long time. They would kind of work with a player, say, hey, I know you just came out of college and you kind of said and did whatever you want, you know, on social media prior, but you're a pro now. And these are some of the expectations that we have and the fans have and our sponsors have and your future earning potential frankly has to make sure you get from where you are today to where you want to be. So they used it for a really interesting kind of like professional development sort of use case, but also as a way to make sure they could protect their reputation and their brand to keep, you know, to put it simply, uh, you know, butts and seats at games and also to really help, you know, the, the sponsorship and, and overall kind of uh, community experience around the Dolphins kind of thrive. So yeah, they switched over to Fama a couple of years ago. Haven't looked back. We work with uh, a bunch of other pro sports teams and social media networks that use us for the same purpose. So what I think, you know, that highlights is this power in the data itself of so much of who we are and what we rely on as people, whether it's joining a company, going on a date, becoming a, a fan of a team, right? We care so much about the people that we're engaging with and making sure, again, that we're not creating like a, a safe space where it's where we don't want to feel adversity or anything, but it's simply like, hey, look, like, I don't want to spend my time with people. I don't want to root for a team if this guy is acting totally contrary to my mm-hmm. values as a person. And we're not, again, we're not talking about political affiliation or these very granular elements that make up the beautiful snowflakes that we all are, but- <laughs> Much more of like the basic stuff, like the yeah. stuff none of us want around in our lives anyway. The stuff yeah. that in in previous generations, a lot of my friends who may or may not be listening are uh, 
And no, I'm a big history guy. Like we fought wars over this stuff, you know, about our way of life and how we approach the world around us, you know, and, and treating people fairly, all that. So in any event, you know, that's, uh, I think just part of the human condition that we're trying to support here and, you know, the modern mm-hmm. times that we live in, the mm-hmm. inter- social media times. Well, and I, you know, I, I, I just, when I became aware of that story and, and, and the dolphins in particular and how they were using the product, I found it so interesting because it, it puts a really, it, it, it puts a really positive spin on how to use the technology behind Fama that it's not just, Oh, we're going to catch you doing something bad. Right. It's, it's this kind of proactive um, we're monitoring these things. We want to kind of have this, you know, synchronicity between what we're, what we're about and what our, you know, staff, I'm using air quotes, staff are talking about. Um, And, and it can be used for good and not just a, you know, the typical sort of mindset of HR of, well, we're in there to catch the the bad stuff. Right. I think a lot of tech is exclude, like screening tech is exclusionary. It's like, who do we yeah. want to exclude from? The yeah. Product, right. Yeah. You know, and, and this sort of element, you know, we've seen customers, particularly like very forward thinking, big tech companies, like Reasons of Confidentiality, I can't really mention, but the biggest name brands in the world, the websites you log into almost every day, right? You know, these are companies that use our tech because they know that like there's a level in a tech, I'll just stick with technology as an example, but there's a level of like base skill set, base values, but also that kind of creativity and Mm -hmm. that freedom and letting the mind wander, right? And letting someone, you know, put their own spin on a process or, you know, I, we, we've, doubled headcount in the past year at Fama due to all the growth that we've undergone. But like I said to a lot of our key execs, like this is your show, like you run with it, right? You know, yeah. the least values that are important to us and as a company, but I want to see you make this company your own, have that ownership mindset. And what's interesting about our data, some of these tech companies, they actually don't use us to not hire someone. They use us as they've called it. I've heard terms like platform for intervention, Synchronicity, I love. I've never heard that before, but that's exactly the concept. Yeah. Trying to align the people coming in of just saying, hey, dude, I I know you made this like misogynistic joke that probably was funny at the time. And and look, we've all made and said things that we regret and, you know, we wish we hadn't said just part of who we are. Nobody's perfect. And so to say to someone, hey, you made this one joke one time, like, that's not cool at our company. Mm-hmm. That's not how we roll at our company. Just want you to know that, but welcome. Yeah. You know, like it's that moment of kind of course correction that can in some ways be like, uh, you know, the bumper lanes on a, on a bowling alley or something like that, that just kind of, you know, keep you going down the middle, <laughs> not veering off course. Well, yeah. Ben, this, this is, uh, this has been really fantastic and fascinating conversation. We should have scheduled an hour, but since we're getting close to the running over the 30 minutes, I'm going to jump and ask the last question before Robin wraps up with you. So um, just kind of going back up a little higher, higher up into the 30,000 foot, what trends and themes do you, uh, do you see or expect to dominate the HR tech scene for the rest of the year? And, you know, going in maybe into 2024, kind of, you guys are, it sounds like you guys have had great growth. What else is going to be hot besides AI, everything? (laughs) Dang, I was going to say, no, AI. you can say AI. <laughs> I say AI. No, yeah. I, I think we're at a, uh, a really interesting sort of moment for 
screening in general in that, you know, artificial intelligence and the ability to manipulate text and so much of how we measure quality, whether it's like dev tests or assessments that are written, writing samples, all of that is out the window. So I think we are in a period now of such transformation that you're getting a sense of HR leaders feeling that kind of ground moving beneath their feet. So I think you're seeing a lot of companies come up with sort of their AI strategy, you know, whether that, I think, and it's a combination between business development, how do we use AI to grow top line revenue, increase gross margin, increase profits. But when it comes to candidates, like, how do I use AI to find the best people and get them to come to my company? Right. And so I think you're seeing a lot of companies that are going to end up not necessarily changing target, but changing the way that they think about a talent funnel and the way that they think about talent acquisition. Imagine, you know, being able to engage with a candidate using a chatbot that intelligently predicts when they're on LinkedIn, on which page and serves them up an ad or something like that, right? There are so many potential, you know, new tech. And I've seen a lot of cool stuff um, from some of my peers and, you know, folks that are just getting started that, I think it's a period of great transformation in terms of trends, but my uh, hot take and the sort of counterintuitive opinion is that I think the quality humans across our industry are going to bubble to the top through all of this. I think what we're going to see is that there's going to be a shift back towards the human element of talent acquisition, talent screening, talent retention that we've been pushing the limit for a decade on what's possible using technology. And we always say, you know, we can help bring you as a user to the precipice of action, but we will never make a decision for you. Ultimately, people know their business better than anybody else, better than a machine ever will, even by reading patterns and patterns of data. So mm -hmm. I think you will see the elevation of the, uh, the, the cream will rise to the top for practitioners across our industry. But I also think that you're going to see some folks that were maybe mailing it in, I think you'll see a, a size, you know, contraction in some teams, certain folks that are maybe in that kind of bottom third of a talent organization that are suddenly realizing that menial work or, you know, tasks they might've been completing to kind of stay under the radar now might be replicated by a machine. So I think you'll unfortunately see kind of like some folks get promoted, get raises and all that, but a shift yeah. kind of talent landscape within the teams that, you know, uh, are using our products today. Yeah. Yeah, I, to I totally buy that. Yeah, no. absolutely. And I do have to say that um, in this last, what what are we at now? About eight, month eight since uh, um, Chat GTP, and and I have I have never seen with any other sort of concept platform, whatever, um, as as many HR folks that have embraced let me just dive in and play with it and learn it and oh. understand generative ai i it's compared to 10 years ago when something would come out the curiosity around what this is and what this might could do and i want to understand it is i think off the charts and, and i think part of it is because so much of the hr and talent acquisition world comes through in the written word job yep emails, yep. cover letters, resumes, right? It's like, we're not talking about charts and graphs and data yep. science. And we're talking about that human to human connection, which is often expressed in written format. Yep. 
that yeah. drives so much of our industry forward. So I, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really transformational time that, again, I, I think the reality is you're going to see a lot of contraction in sizes of teams, but I also think you'll see the HR leaders that can figure it out mm-hmm. right at the top of their organization, yeah. you know, and get yeah. a seat at the table, which will be cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a, what a positive note to end our show on because um that 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 should give our listeners a lot to um to hang on to so uh ben thank you so so much for joining us today and uh before we sign off uh could you just let our listeners know where they can get in touch with you how they can find you online because we've been talking on, online all day <laughs> yeah linkedin uh ben monis just search me out i love uh the platform one of my favorite social media networks so Feel free to send me a message or, uh, you know, follow friend request, whatever they call it these days. And other than that, our website, uh, fama.io, tons of content there about how we think about the market, how we think about AI. Um, and you can always get in touch with someone from our team uh, using a contact form if you want to learn more. Great, great, great insights and great, uh, great personality too, Don. It was nice to, nice to hang with you for half an hour or so. <laughs> really uh really insightful as well. So thanks a lot for doing this. And being yeah. Here. Hey, thanks for having me. And anytime in your busy uh, pod schedule that you want to have me back on, just let me Absolutely. know. And or get together for a barbecue. How's that? Yeah. yeah. Whole, hog, whole hog barbecue all day. That's right. That's right. All right, everybody. Peace out. Have a good, good rest of the day. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.